Well, if you open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, this is where I've been going through in my nursing home ministry. I've been kind of living there for the past month. And uh, while you're turning there, I want to say thank you all for coming out last Sunday to Wendy's. I enjoy that fellowship time that we get to have with each other when we're not in church. And we had a nice little turnout there. But while we were there, uh, Brother Eli, Kenzie's fiance, and Brother Aaron, they were talking about some old-time gospel singers, and Brother Lloyd was sitting there, and he mentioned this one of them. I don't even remember what the singer was. But he said he used to come on late Saturday night after wrestling. <laughs> it wasn't even a gospel singer, was it? It wasn't the point of the singer, though, but I'm bringing that up. Is, it got me to thinking, though, when you said that, man, that wrestling. I remember those days. Those were good old times back when I was younger. That old Saturday night main event. You know, I had all those good wrestlers. I had the figurines when I was a little kid. I loved to set them up and make them play with each other. You know, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Jake the Snake Roberts, a good old junkyard dog. I grew up really liking those things. But, uh, but you know what was even better than watching them in my mind when I was a kid was, was going outside and wrestling around with my friends. I remember when I was about 9 or 10 years old, my mom used to babysit a kid. His name was Kyle King. He was about two years younger than me. And, you know, and every time he would come over, we would like to go outside, and we'd like to try those wrestling moves on each other. But, uh, you know, we knew better than to pick each other up and slam each other down on our heads because we knew it wasn't that real. And we knew better than to really throw punches at each other. But one thing that we didn't know better to do was, was not to do the submission moves. Right? And that's one thing that I particularly like, being a couple years older than him. I could really get him down in those, and, and that's what I wanted him to do. I used to put him in the full Nelson, if you don't remember what that is, right? When you get your arms up like this, and you just kind of pick him up and shake him around. Maybe put him in a bear hug and squeeze him around, the old good old figure four leg lock, you know? But my always go-to was the scissors around the neck. You know, just wrap those legs around the neck, and you just squeeze. Uh, Kyle and I would go outside, and, and that was my goal. I wanted to make him submit. I want to make him tap out. I'd want to make him say, I quit. He was stubborn, though, very stubborn little kid. And uh, praise God, I never hurt him more than I ever actually did. But eventually, you know, I'd get him, to, get him to give up, and he would go in crying to my mom, and I'd get in trouble. But I didn't care because, you know, I was a champion. I had made him quit. I had gotten the submission. Well, I, I tell that story because in today's world, you know, that perfectly illustrates how the world views submission. We view submission as, as the powerful exerting control over the weak, as one overpowering another. We view the one that, that submits as being oppressed, as being a weaker vessel. But God, God calls us Christians to submit in our lives. And I believe that current attitude of submission, that's not what God meant. He doesn't want us to be the weaker vessel. We are not being oppressed when we submit. In fact, I believe there's strength in submission. You know, we can find our strength in that. And that's why I'm entitled today's message, Strength in Submission. So let's read our passage here in 1 Peter, and let's talk about it. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting off in verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and as pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, 
that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. But what glory is it if when you buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto we ye are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was no guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who of his own self bare our sins in his whole body on the tree, that we being dead unto sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me the opportunity to stand behind this pulpit and, and give a lesson out of your word, God. Just pray you fill me with your spirit. You guide me so that I say things that only you want me to say out of this Bible passage. I do not add my thoughts to it, Lord, and I just pray that you be with the people that are out here listening, that maybe something I say may touch their hearts and edify and encourage them today. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think we can learn a lot about this passage, about submission. Right? To me, when I was studying through it, when I was looking through it, I found it kind of answers four main questions that we should always ask when we're trying to understand any subject. And that's kind of what we're going to go through today. What are these questions? So, First, what is submission? Right? What does it mean to be biblically submitted? Second question, two, who should we submit to? There are certain people God is calling us to be submissive to. Three, why should we submit? What's the whole purpose of all this? And finally, the practical application of it, how should we submit in our Christian lives? So to start off with, what is submission? Well, Webster's Dictionary defines submission as to yield to oneself or to the authority of will of another, to surrender, or to permit oneself to be subjected to someone or something. And I think those are both very good definitions when it comes to Christian submission. That first part there, yield oneself to the authority, to the will of another, that is what we are called to do as Christians, is yield to the will of God. Right? James 4, 7 tells us, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So if we are submitting to God's will, it means we are yielding to his authority. We are doing his will. What does it tell us here in verse 11 in our passage, right? It tells us, I beseech you as strangers, meaning that we are different from the world, right? As Christians, we are strangers in this world. We are not of this world, that we are abstained from fleshly lusts. That is God's will for us. If we are going to submit to his authority, that's the first thing we're going to do, right? We are going to abstain from fleshly lust. But we can't do that on our own. That's why we must yield to God and the Holy Spirit. You know, we've got to constantly say, God, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Because submission means that we are walking in the spirit, not in the flesh, you know? Because what is the flesh going to tell us? The flesh is going to say, I want to get even. I want revenge, right? The spirit is going to tell us vengeance of the Lord, and turn the other cheek. The flesh says sexual attraction is natural, and therefore we should love whoever we want, whenever we want. 
But that's not what the Spirit is telling us. The Spirit says we need to stay pure and to flee fornication. The flesh says, my body is my own. I can do whatever I want with it. I can put whatever I want to into it. No, but the Spirit tells us our body is the temple of God and that we must treat it as such. Right? We are all obedient to something, whether it be the flesh or the Spirit, either the devil or Jesus Christ. We are called to submit to God, and it's not easy. And when we do submit to God, it is not because we are weak. It is because we are strong. It tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, in verses 13 through 16, it says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men. You know what that means? It says, come on, grow up, be a man here, right? Quit you like men, be strong. Let all your things be done with charity, or let everything be done with love. I beseech you, brethren, that ye submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. Right? It's telling us that when we are submitting and we're doing things with love, we are acting like men. We are being tough. We are being strong. We are not being that weaker vessel. The second part of that Webster's Dictionary, though, not only do we need to yield ourselves to authority, specifically the authority of God, it says that we need to permit oneself to be subjected to something or someone. The key word in there is that we have to permit ourselves. It's not because we are weak. It's not because someone is forcing us to do it out of their strength over us. It's that we are allowing it to happen. You know, what is our, in 1 Peter, what does it tell us here in, in verse 13? Submit yourself to every ordinance, ordinance of man, right? That's what we need to be subject to, what we need to let ourselves follow. When man makes laws or rules, you know, we need to follow them. It's not, of course, you know, we have a condition here. We're going to follow God first, right? Never do anything that goes against the sayings of God, but we follow what God wants. And then, you know, that takes a lot of strength to do that. It takes a lot more strength to submit and obey man than it does to obey God's law. And this is where, where humbleness and meekness in our lives come into play. You know, in Galatians 5, this says those are some of the fruit of the spirits, right? Long-suffering or patience, gentleness, meekness, temperance, right? We need to be strong here in our faith. Pray to God. Ask the Spirit to come in and fill us so we have those in our lives. And one of the things I learned while studying this is meekness is not weakness, right? In my study of this word, I came across several definitions of what meekness could mean, right? Some of it to soften to make mild, to be gentle, right? And I think those are all great attributes of meekness, but the one definition that I really liked was strength under control, right? In order to be meek, it is not because we are weak. It's not because we're just gentle. We're not being pushed around. In order to be meek and actually be submissive, you have to have the power to do what you want, right? You have to be able to willing to overpower someone. You have to have the power to go out and act in your flesh, and that's what we have in our lives, right? We have the power to do what we want. We can act in our flesh if we want to, but being meek is controlling that power, subduing that power, the strength to hold the power back, the power to say, I can do it, but I won't do it, right? That is being meek, and that is what true submission is being. That, my friends, is what we are working for. It is not being weak or oppressed. It's actually having the strength, the power or the ability to do whatever we like, 
but having the self-control not to do it. The ability to be obedient to God and to follow the ordinance of man, that is true submission. Right? So now we talked about what submission is. Let's go to our second point this morning. Who of men makes these ordinances that we should be submissive to? Well, the first thing I got out of our passages in verse 13 and 14 is that we need to be submissive to our government leaders. Right? Verse 13 says, Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as to them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. We're in a little bit of different times today, right? We don't have a king anymore that we're really submitting to or we're looking to, but we can apply that to our today's lives, right? We have our president. We have our legislator. Whether it be on the federal level, on our state level, we have our governors. We have our branch. Even down on the local level, we have people that are above us making laws and rules to follow. We need to submit to those rules and laws that they put out there in front of us. Now, submission here doesn't mean we have to agree on everything. We may even have some issues with their policy and vehemently disagree with them in certain areas, but it must have respect and submission to their authority. Know that they are placed there by God, right? Even though they may not always be acting in a godly manner, they are, or leaders are placed by God. Romans 13 tells us, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that are ordained of God, whoso therefore ever resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive themselves to damnation. Right? I don't agree with everything our president does. I don't agree with everything our legislator does. But we are to show them the right amount of respect. It doesn't mean we need to obey every law they make, right? If they are trying to make a law that forces us against the Bible, tells us something unscriptural, yeah, we need to not, you know, not follow those laws. Follow the laws of God first. But even when we are accused of doing things that are against their laws, we should behave with respect towards that position. We should give honor towards that position. And I find this amazingly powerful coming from Peter. Think about the times right after Christ, right? Christians were being persecuted like crazy. There wasn't a good Christian king around them. There weren't governors that were looking out for the well-being of Christians. There was wicked rulers. They hated the new followers of Christ. They were persecuted in almost every province that they traveled to. But they didn't rebel. They didn't try to overthrow their governments, right? They were submissive to their authority. A good example is if you're in Acts chapter 4, right? The apostles, Peter and John, were out preaching the gospel, out spreading the good news of Christ. And the religious leaders, the Jewish, uh, the Pharisees, and them, they brought them in in front of the rulers. In Acts 4, in Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 20 reads, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You see what they did there? They submitted themselves to the authority of their leadership. They didn't go in there and fight and argue with them. They didn't go in there and say, hey, you guys have no power, no authority of me. They didn't say they were an illegitimate government. They weren't going around carrying signs saying, not my president, not my rulers, not my synagogue. They weren't protesting about them. 
What they did say to them, though, is they say, you be the judge if I should do what you say or what God says. And I'm sure if the rulers of the synagogue at that time would have said, you know what, we're going to put you in jail for this, okay, because you're not listening to us, they would have gladly went to jail. They would have respected that authority. They weren't going to change their behavior, right? They were still going to do the things of God. They were still going to preach the word of God. They were going to do what God called them to do, but they were still submissive unto that authority. Peter and John had to do what was right in the sight of God. You know, we need to apply this principle when dealing with any level of authority in our lives, especially anything within the government. You know, there's a new thing going around. I'm sure, Connor, you've seen this, being a police officer, where people, they like to get up in a police officer's grill, right? And nothing annoys me more than to watch those videos on Facebook where people say, I know my rights. I know what I can do. And they just want to sit there and, and they want to antagonize. And they want to, and they want to push the police just, just to antagonize them rather than just submit to their authority. You know, police are getting a bad rep- reputation of that because they take all the worst ones and they throw them on YouTube and that's really all you see. Right? But that's a trend out there, filming the police and people being as argumentative as possible. It's all about my rights. What am I allowed to do? And, and those situations never, ever end well. Right? Not for the police. Not for the, usually the person that's trying to push for their rights that are being accused. Right? They usually make the submission, or they usually make the situation worse. You know? Submit to the authorities. I said, there's no reason to push a police officer. If he asks for something, submit to him. He's an authority put there by God. If something's not right and you catch one of those bad guys, one of those wrong police officers, let the legal system work it out, all right? But there's no reason to make a simple situation worse because you're not willing to submit to proper authority. Who else should we submit to in our lives, though, besides the government and the people in our law enforcement? How about our spiritual leaders, right? Verse 17 says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, right? We are honored to honor all men, especially those that are our brothers and sisters in Christ, those that have been born again, those that stand beside us in our Christian worship, you know, specifically pastors and church leaders. They deserve the most honor among us. And when you have a leader of our church, that leader of your church that is sin of God, like I believe our pastor is truly a man of God, we need to submit to his authority because more often than not, let's say probably 99% of the time, that authority is going to be the will of God in our lives. Hebrews 13, 7 tells us to obey them that have rule over you and submit yourself, for they watch for your souls. As they that must give account, they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. See there? Those are in leadership positions in the church. They're held to a little bit of higher standard here. So that's why we need to submit to them. God is watching them. God's going to give them a little bit extra punishment if they're not watching for our souls. They have to give an account for that in those days. You know, and a true leader is going to have the fear of God in him and not lead you astray when you submit. And I believe we've got lots of leaders in this church, a lot of people that we can turn to for godly advice. And we get advice from those people, we need to submit and listen to it and not be stubborn in our own mind and always think that we know what is best. So we should submit to our governmental leaders, our spiritual leaders. And thirdly here, we need to submit to our work leaders to our supervisors, the people that call the shots in our work lives. In verse 18 of, the, of our, of our uh, reading here, it says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle,
but also to the froward. You know, when Peter was writing this book, he was writing to slaves, writing to people who were actually, you know, working and not getting paid. We, fortunately, we live in a time in a country where we're not technically slaves, although sometimes when you go to work, right, it kind of feels like you're a slave. You don't have a lot of say of what's going on. But we can apply that principle to our work lives. For those of us that have been in the workforce for any amount of time, we know that there's, there's a couple of kinds of bosses out there, right? We have those good bosses, those ones that treat you with respect, those that set their expectations of the job. Then they kind of get out of your way and let you do what you're supposed to do, right? And we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. And when those kind of bosses come to us and they need to correct us, hey, we probably know we've done something wrong or else that boss wouldn't be there, right? And we accept that. But we also need to submit ourselves to those bosses that, that just aren't as nice, right? The flip side of the boss, that boss that's always cantankerous, the one that's always grouchy about something, the one that's always looking for something wrong, the one that doesn't see his employees as people, rather as means to an end. Nothing you do ever seems to be right or impressive to that kind of boss. In situations like that, it's harder to submit, but it's in situations like that, that's exactly what God wants us to do. God wants us to humble ourselves in front of those types of people. Remember our verse there says, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward, to the people that we don't think we should submit to. It pleases God when we submit to those people. And I get it. It's not easy. It's not easy to submit to those froward bosses. I've been there, you know. And it's not always easy to submit to our spiritual or our government leaders also because we like to live in the flesh. We like to do what we want when we want, but that's what God is calling us to do. It takes strength to do that, but why? That is my third point here. Why should we submit? Because we've talked about what submission is, who we submit to, so let's talk about why we should submit. Well, the first reason can be found in verse 12. It says, having your conversations honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak, speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So the first reason we need to submit is because we want to glorify God. We want to bring other people to Christ. You've all probably heard comments about how, I don't want to be a Christian because there's just a bunch of hypocritical people. A bunch of people that preach about how high and mighty they are, and then as soon as they walk out of that church building, they just go out and they live like everybody else. You know, Christians that don't display humility. Christians that don't display meekness or submit that the way they should. Christians out there that believe it's okay to break the law, to be rude, to lose their temper with authority, to go to church and not have their lives changed by the word of God being preached to them. They call us hypocrites, people like that, because of that. They look at them and they're like, who do you think you are? Why do you think you're better than me? If that's what being a Christian's like, I don't want anything to do with it, right? When we're not being submissive, walking in the Spirit, that's the kind of behavior that when they see that, they're like, no, it keeps people out of church. It does not glorify God. It puts God down. However, when we're behaving in a, in a submissive way that God wants us to, and just can't tell you how we're going to submit because that would be my next, my next point here, so I don't want to jump ahead, but a little foreshadowing, it's coming, right? But when we are behaving in that way, when we're doing the how of submission, the people of the world see something totally different in us. Instead of saying, who do they think they are? 
They begin to say stuff like, who are they? Why are they behaving that way? What do they have that I don't have? How can I get that? I want that. What do they have that I'm missing? We now become a shining light to others by our submissive, by our submissive behavior, by being meek, by being humble. We follow what Jesus says in the Beatitudes that we're going through with Pastor, you know, in chapter, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, it tells us, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. That is why we submit ourselves. It is all for the glory of God, you know, when it's seen in front of others. But, you know, sometimes all our submissions, when they're not seen in front of others, sometimes we're called to submit when it's just between us and God. Why do we do that? Well, we do that to please God. Look at verse 13 when it says, Submit your every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Right? Not for people's sake, for the Lord's sake, because it makes him happy. It makes God happy because we are showing him when we submit that we love him. Because as Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he's commanding us to submit. And we're behaving in a way that shows our love towards God and it's pleasing, right? That's when we get blessings into our lives. You know, it's not, it doesn't save us. We're not working our way to heaven. It's not for salvation. But we get other things, blessings in our life. That's when we start living the joyful life. We start living the peaceful life. We start having safety in our lives that God wants us to have. The Spirit stays full in us, and he gives us way more blessings than we deserve when we are loving him and doing what he commands. Psalm 114, 11 through 14 says, The Lord taketh pleasure in him that fear him, and those that hope in his mercy. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion. For he has strengthened the bars of thy gates. Right? He's given us peace in our household. He gives us a safe place to live. He protects us in there. He hath blessed thy children within thee. He keeps our children safe. Blesses us with children, the fruit of the womb. He maketh peace in thy borders. Right? God gives us a stable environment to live in. Praise God that we're not living in the Middle East right now, that we are free from war. We're free from bombs going off all around us, right? And he filleth thee with the finest wheat. So God continues to provide for us. And he continues to bless us when we are living in his will and doing what he says. Proverbs 16, 7 says, When a man's ways pleaseth the Lord, he maketh even his enemies be at peace with him. I would love it when my enemies are at peace with me, right? Makes my life much easier. Makes everything around me a little bit better. And that comes when I'm pleasing God. And when I'm submitting to the proper authorities, I'm pleasing God. I'm doing what he wants me to do. However, we're not doing all this just to get his blessings, right? We love him because he first loved us. It's not only just to get blessings. We're not doing things like, hey, God, I'm doing this. You got to reward me, right? It's our duty. It's what we're called to do as Christians. It's, we're called, or it's our responsibility to obey God's commands. And one of those commands includes submissions. As in Ecclesiastes, as says in Ecclesiastes, you know, at the very at the end, chapter 12, verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for that is the whole duty of man. So that is the main reason, right? We are called, commanded by God, pleasing God, and bringing others to Christ. So, so far, we have discussed what is submission, who we should submit to, and the reasons why we should submit. Now comes to the last point of this lesson, probably the toughest, actually doing it, 
right? The practical application. How should we submit? Well, we can only submit by the power of Christ. This is not something we're going to be able to do on our own. We have to be filled with the Spirit, and we have to follow His example. As it says in verse 21 of our scripture here in 1 Peter chapter 2, For even hereunto ye are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his footsteps. Right? Skip down to verse 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For we were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. We can't do it on our own, right? We are all sinners. But as we just read, Christ took our sins away. Right? Now we are dead in those sins. We're living under righteousness through him. We're living under righteousness through the spirit that indwelled us at the day of salvation. We are sheep that has gone astray. We don't know how to behave rightly, but we call on Christ. We call on that spirit. He'll guide us. He'll take us in the right direction. That means we've got to be praying every day to be filled with the spirit, to be doing the right thing. Every day that our faith can grow stronger and our behavior can become more Christ-like. But what kind of behaviors? Well, the behavior that it just tells us here in our chapter, the way Christ behaved. Here in verse 22, speaking of Christ, it said, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. If guile, what does it mean? Sly, cunning, intelligence, being deceitful, you know, trying to do whatever we can to get what we want, to make ourselves happy. That wasn't what Christ came for. If Christ is our example, we should have no deceit in our lives either. We don't need to circumvent rules because we don't like them or we don't think they're fair. Like, for example, when building property or additions to property, right? I know it's a hassle, but the government says you've got to get permits. You've got to get codes. You know, do those things. It's what the government requires of you, right? Don't try to cheat the system. And I get it. No one likes taxes. And I'm not saying you shouldn't try to find every way to get as little taxes as possible, but we don't need to be deceitful with the government when it comes to our taxes. Recall what Jesus said when the Pharisee asked about this exact thing in Mark chapter 12. He said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God's. So we don't need to try to deceive and get our way, because when we do those things, we're going to get those, how dare you, who are you type of looks. Right? Do you think you're better than me because you're a Christian? We also shouldn't deceive our bosses, claiming to work hours or complete tasks that we didn't, not taking credit for another man's work. We need to show up on time, always give our best effort, submit to what the bosses want. We do these things because they save our testimony, right? We do those to remove those who do they think they are moments and bring glory to God, not disgrace to the Christian name. But not only do we need to remove deceit from our lives, right? We also need to submit in the way we talk about others especially when they talk bad about us. Verse 23, who was, when he was reviled, reviled not again. And that is what reviled means. It means evil speaking towards another person, right? People spoke evil of Jesus. And what did he do? He kept his mouth shut. However, it's not so easy. Wait a minute. It's easy. Well, let me go back a little bit here. I jumped a line. But it's easy to speak nicely of someone, right? We talk about we have that good boss, and they come and correct us. It's easy to speak nicely of them. However, it's not so easy when those things happen. You feel it is 
is no, uh, you feel you're being attacked for no apparent reason, right? Others are attacking you, and your pride and your anger gets to you. I know I've been there. You want to argue back. You want to be like, how can you say that about me? That's not true. You want to defend your honor, right? You want to get that last word in. You want to get your point across. You want to be heard. That is my right, right? I can say what I want. You're not true. You're not allowed to spread these lies against, about me. But that's not how Jesus behaved, was it? When he reviled, he reviled not back at them. Isaiah 53, 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shearer, he is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. We don't need to get that last word in. We don't always have to get our side of the story out. There is power in submission sometimes. There is strength in being silent and saying nothing. In Matthew 27, 12 through 14, it says, And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said unto them, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered to them, Never a word. Jesus stayed quiet. Insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. The governor marveled. The people were astonished. They were impressed. And what did Jesus say? Nothing. He just kept his mouth shut. I can tell you from a recent personal experience that, that people have the same reaction to you when you keep your mouth shut and don't say anything. I asked a few weeks ago for some prayer up here because I'm having trouble with one of my coworkers. And I don't know if, I, if you weren't around in a close group there. I kind of told the story of what happened. We had to go into my boss's office. My boss wanted to talk to us because we just couldn't seem to get along. And we had a bunch of friction between us. And during that meeting, this certain coworker blew up looked me straight in the eye and said, I don't like you. We are not friends. I do not respect you. I don't want to help you do this. I don't want to do this. And I just sat there and kept my mouth shut. And believe me, I'm not trying to brag on me because I prayed before I went to that meeting. I knew what was coming. I prayed to be filled with the Spirit there. And I knew that was the Holy Ghost working in me because I wanted to let her have it. I wanted to, I wanted to tell her exactly what I thought of her too. But I sat there. I bit my tongue. And you wouldn't imagine the amount of praise I got over the next four or five days from my boss, from my boss's boss, from the chancellor of the school. Hey, I heard about your situation. I can't believe you just sat there and took it. It's really impressive that you didn't say back. If I was in there, I would have let her have it. That's what I heard from a lot of people. They are astonished. They are amazed. Silence sometimes is the most powerful thing we can do. You know, And sometimes when we, we take those things, when people are reviling against us, that is what pleases God. What does it say there in, in, in verse 20? For what glory is it when you buffeted for your faults, you should take it patiently? You know, everybody can do that when we do something wrong. But if when you do well and suffer for it and you take it patiently, that is acceptable for God. Right? When you can show your submission, when you can hold your thoughts in, when you don't deserve what's being thrown at you, that really pleases God. And finally here, when we submit... We must be prepared to suffer and suffer without threatening other people. That's what it tells us in verse 23, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, and when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Right? Jesus had all the power. He was God in the flesh. But yet he submitted himself. He submitted himself to suffer for our sakes. What does he tell his disciples when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane? 
and the soldiers are coming to get arrested, in Matthew 26, 53, he tells us, he says, Thank us not that I cannot pray now to my Father, and you shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. You know, 72 to 144,000 angels, depending on how they define legions then. But say the low number, 72,000 angels at Jesus' fingertips that he could have called at any point in time to come down and save him. At any time, he could have stopped what was happening to him. He could have stopped from being whipped. He could have stopped the beatings on his brow when he was wearing the crown of thorns. He could have stopped the nailing of his hands and feet to that cross. But he submitted. He submitted for our sakes. He submitted unto death because it was the will of the Father. And all this, did he threaten them? Was he angry? No. What was he saying? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was obedient to the will of the Father. As it says in verse 23 there, he committed himself to him that judges righteously. He put his life and everything in the hands of the Father. If Christ did all that for us, can't we do the same for him? The Word of God tells us that all who live godly will suffer persecution. We know it's coming. We know we're going to suffer. You know, But this part of the book of 1 Peter tells us that part of living godly is submitting to that authority. And why do we do this? We do it for a good testimony so that others may not speak evil of us so we may please God. Just to recap, right? Submission is not being weak. It's probably one of the most difficult things you're going to have to do in your Christian life because our flesh does not want to submit. Our flesh wants to be stubborn. Our flesh wants to be prideful. Our flesh wants to tell us, I'll do what I want irregardless of what the Word of God is telling us. But God is calling us to it. As we close up today, I ask you to look at your life. Is there an area where you're not exhibiting meekness? You're not being humble? You're not submitting to the proper authority in your life? And as you examine your life, if you're not, turn today. Repent of that. Learn, learn godly submission. And know you're not being a weaker vessel. You're not being oppressed. You're following the will of God. You may get his blessings upon your life and maybe help win some souls to Christ through your behavior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for letting us gather here today and hear your word preached. And I pray as we move through the service, Lord, that our, that our singing and our song service may give praise and honor and glory to you. And I pray that you be with Pastor as he brings the message this morning and that people in this room, if there's someone that does not know Christ, either through what I have said or what Pastor brings today, maybe the, your words, Lord, out of your book will help someone come to know you and find the saving grace of Jesus Christ today. As we go through through the service this morning, God, we will give all glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen.